Students, happy Friday. It's Fat Friday on Answers to Gospel Questions. It's me, Brother Lawson. I'm here with Brother Wing. How are you, Brother Wing? I'm doing great. I'm eating a peanut butter sandwich, which is my favorite meal of all time. I probably eat 300 peanut butter sandwiches a year. No lie. Favorite? So, like, if you have the chance to eat uh, bacon or peanut butter, you're choosing peanut butter? Oh, yeah. In fact, my wife once, she said... She said, hey, would you, if you had to give up steak or peanut butter for the rest of your life, which would you choose? Which this was, to her, this is like a big deal because I love yeah. both of those things. Yeah. And I had to think about it. And then I thought, you know what? It would, steak would have to go. I would, oh I would have a harder time giving up peanut butter. <laughs> well, we just lost half of our listeners. The other half, thanks for sticking with us and being understanding of of brother wing and he's just working through some issues right now i think uh we got a great issue that we're uh gonna discuss today great question uh has been asked you ready for this one brother wing yeah we've been talking about law of chastity all week and uh why we need to keep the law of chastity how we keep the law of chastity when uh do we know if we've even broken the law of chastity today we're going to talk about this question how do i repent if I've broken the law of chastity. That's a great question. That's a great question. That's a, um, that creates a lot of anxiety and, and stress in individuals' lives when, uh, when that law has been broken. There's all types of thoughts that people can have. Uh, and there's all types of things that people have said over the years. So we're, uh, we're hoping to maybe give you an overall general idea of what do you do if uh, you've broken the law of chastity? How would you start answering a question like that, Brother Wing? Yeah, we kind of mentioned at the tail end of last podcast, we talked about turning to the Savior. And so I think the first thing to do is uh, figure out a way to turn to him. And maybe the best way is to go to the scriptures, you know, go straight to the scriptures and learn about the Savior, uh, start to feel closer to him, learn his doctrine. And I, I think maybe Alma exemplified all of this for us with his son, Corey Anton, who had broken the law of chastity. And look how Alma handled that situation. You know, and he taught Corey Anton doctrine, taught him about the Savior, taught him about the plan of salvation. And so Alma chapters 39 to 42, really, really good chapters to kind of see an example of this and um, correct the mistake of not focusing on the Savior and the purpose of life. And then uh, correct that by turning to him and learning his doctrine. You know, I think that that's, uh, that's a super huge point because oftentimes when the law of chastity has been broken and the individual recognizes that they broke the law of chastity and they're feeling guilt, they just want that guilt taken away. And uh, oftentimes, you know, when, anytime we're feeling pain, we want that, that pain to be taken away as quickly as possible. And the reality is with the law of chastity, there, any, all sin results in suffering. There has to be suffering involved. Uh, some of that suffering, unfortunately, comes from self-inflicted, where we just are just choosing to wallow in, in our misery and, and not taking advantage of the power of Jesus Christ to, to overcome and to repent of that sin. But, you know, uh, sometimes people will... And will make the error of thinking, oh, if I just stop doing this, then I'm good. Well, it's, it is good to stop doing something that's wrong. That's, that's a super important step to stop. 
But then, like you mentioned, then there's a change that just has to take place, a, a bigger change. Stopping is changing, but it's not necessarily a complete change of ideas, a, a complete change of feeling. Sometimes people might just be kind of white knuckling it again, like I'll just, uh, I'm just hanging on, right? And all of that is 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 good, but there's more to it. There's there's an absolute change in ideas, a change in thinking. A change in a change in uh, President Nelson even said a change in the way that we breathe. That's an interesting way to, to something interesting to consider. I like that you bring up uh, Alma because talking to his son Corey Anton because later in Alma he talks about you know you're we're talking or Mormons talking about uh, Captain Moroni and how if everybody had been and was like Captain Moroni the very powers of hell would be shaken. Then he said. Captain Moroni was like unto uh, the sons of Mosiah and Alma's sons, which one of his sons was Corianton, who had broken law of chastity, but had repented in a manner so much that, that he was now being compared to Captain Moroni for righteousness and, and courage and valiancy towards the, the gospel. So we, we know that individuals can change beyond just stopping doing a, a particular behavior. Yeah, and that's one of the great blessings of making this focus and, and striving to put Christ at the center of our lives, because what comes with that is hope. And we can see examples like Corey and Anton, but we can also uh, sense what the Holy Ghost is teaching us, that because of Christ, because he is real, because his atonement is real, and it's infinite and eternal, that we gain this hope that we really can uh, not just be forgiven, uh, but cleansed and changed, and that our character uh, is different now or yeah. more Christ-like. You know, one of the concerns uh, individuals have when they break the law of chastity, some individuals have the concern of they're embarrassed to talk to anybody about it. And, and so um, because of the way that they feel someone might think, uh, especially a, a bishop, that can be scary for an individual to, to go talk to the bishop. And so they ask questions like, if I've broken the law of chastity, why is it that I need to go talk to a bishop? I would give you uh, maybe just a couple of ideas of why you might need to talk to a bishop. The um, As a teacher, we oftentimes have other teachers come and sit in the back of our classrooms and watch us teach. And at the, uh, at the end, when all the students are gone, we kind of sit around and we talk about uh, the lesson. And the teacher who observed me as a teacher said, hey, I noticed... I noticed as you did this, what were, what were some of your thoughts that you had as you were uh, going through that, as you were uh, teaching that way? And I'm able to say to them uh, what I was thinking, and then they might be able to help me and maybe even offer correction in the, in the way that I was thinking about something. Similarly, when we, uh, when we have get help from the bishop who represents the Lord as a priesthood holder, um, that has responsibility and can receive revelation for us, we can say, here's what's going on in my life. And the bishop can help you adjust your thinking, can help you in that repentance process and uh, help you go through that process of changing your thoughts. The bishop isn't just there to, uh, to make you feel bad or guilty or, or worse, but rather the bishop is there as a, as a tool provided by our heavenly father to, to help you in the repentance process. And there's all types of things that bishops can uh, can do and can recommend and counsel you with 
uh, that will help you. I, I've been a bishop for four years, and um, it's rare that I give people the same exact advice who have sometimes gone through the same, committed the same sin. It's all, it's uh, when people come to talk to me, I'll, I'll just say this as a side note. When people come to talk to me, I never, uh, I never look at them as less of, less of a person. That kind of surprised me a little bit uh, at being a bishop. I wondered how I would respond when someone came in to talk to me, talk to me about struggle they're having. But when people come in and talk about the struggles they're having, it's almost like it, it's not just almost like it is like I develop a deeper love for that person. Um, I think I, in a way I'm able to see them the way the Savior sees them. Uh, and it just it makes me feel bad for people who don't come and talk to me uh, because those who do, I think uh, it's a pretty good experience for them. It's never one where someone walks out of my office and, and says, ah, I never should have done that. You know, never should have come and talked to him. So anyway, what do you think? Yeah, I think that uh, the, it's the, it's the part, part about our relationship with God. And that was kind of, it's, that's, that to me is like the fundamental thing that got off track to begin with. If we have mm -hmm. a, you know, the first way to keep the law of chastity is to keep um, and develop that relationship and connection with God. If we've lost that connection with our heavenly father, probably pretty easy then to be, dis to be duped into um, not seeing the value of virtue and moral cleanliness. Um, and so then when, when the law has been broken, then that's the first place to go. And um, I like how you said that, that we can see the person for who they really are. And if that person can then see who they really are and have and develop or redevelop their self-worth, there's, there's a great step in uh, repenting and changing and developing their character again, being cleansed to, to kind of see who they really are um, and see how God sees them. So that's an important thing. You and I were talking a, a while ago uh, about how, you know, you just mentioned seeing, seeing someone who they really are. Breaking the law of chastity, you mentioned to me a while ago, is just a big lie, right? It's a, it's we're we're lying to ourselves when we break the law of chastity. Maybe explain a little bit what you meant by that. That that that's just a big lie when we break the law of chastity. Yeah, the act itself uh, is feigning commitment that hasn't been entered into, and so you know the parties involved are pretending like they have commitment that's not there, and so. It's it, the act itself, then, you know, any kind of uh, intimacy outside of marriage is therefore like a lie and the participants inherently know it, you know, that there's not this commitment, but they're pretending like it is. And so they, they then develop this relationship uh, out of mistrust now, like there's going to be a lack of trust that then extends from that act. And so it's a lie and it's not going to help the relationship. That, that part is going to need to be corrected if that relationship is going to continue in a healthy way. So that's a, like, that's a huge reason to, uh, to, to repent if we've broken the law of chastity, especially if that, you know, we, we don't want to take that lie into a, a further commitment, you know, because then, like you said, then when trust is not there, that can, that can affect, uh, people for years and years in a marriage, for example. Um, I've talked to couples before that 
were preparing to get married and they had broken the law of chastity. And I warned them, I said, make sure you repent of this. Marriage isn't repenting of this, right? Just getting married isn't repenting. There's a, there's been this lack of trust. There's been this lie that uh, you both have entered into together. And now you got to fix that or else it's really going to harm your marriage uh, going forward. And so just, you know, the act of getting married doesn't fix the, the sin that had t- taken place. So, yeah. You bring who you are to the marriage and you don't right. all of a sudden have this control that you never chose to develop before. Um, so now is the time to repent and kind of paraphrasing Alma 34. It's like you, um, the same spirit that has power to possess your body now, you know, pre-marriage has, you know, has power to possess your body in marriage, um, paraphrasing that verse. And so it's, you're the same person. You just got married now. So you want to, now's the time to repent. Like everything that you've got now, like work on that to become, bring your best self, uh, to marriage. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it. You know, that's just, again, one of the top reasons to, uh, to repent or change direction. We've broken the law of chastity. The, you might uh, give yourself a complex about like, oh man, it, it, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? Don't be afraid to ever go talk to your bishop uh, and just let him know what you've been thinking about. Look at him as, as a blessing given to you from, from Heavenly Father to, to help you stay on the right track or know that you are on the right track. Uh, and um, I think that that will that'll relieve some anxiety in your life, regardless, you know, if the, if the bishop says, Hey, you're good. You, you just, you know, maybe be careful in this way, or, Hey, this is a problem. Let's, let's get working on this. Only great things can come from uh, choosing to, uh, to involve the Lord in your process, process of just trying to, to be better. So any last thoughts brother wing? Yeah, just I think maybe the last thought, I, you know, I want to end on the positive. We're not just trying to stay away from stuff. You know, we're trying to go toward what is beautiful and sacred and wonderful. And we just want to preserve that and honor the, the value and purpose of, of why God put us on this earth, our time here and this opportunity to work towards an eternal marriage and the, and the, the oneness and unity that can come in marriage. Um, I like what Doctrine and Covenants 46 says, the last verse of section 46 says to practice virtue and holiness. You know, I think, I think if we focus on that and, and in section 121, where it says to let virtue garnish your thoughts unceasingly, you know, that we can work towards these things and move closer and closer and, and see the beauties uh, and the blessings of what God has, has given us there. And I think one other scripture that's really good to mention is 1 Corinthians six nineteen. You know, where he where he says, um, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for you're bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I just I think that's a helpful and to focus on why we're here and our purpose of life and our connection with God and to see ourselves as God sees us and. Um, understand our worth based on our relationship with him. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure in a further podcast, we're going to talk a little bit more about repentance in general, but specifically concerning the, the law of chastity. I testify to you that repentance is 
possible and cleanliness is possible. Uh, so rely upon the Lord uh, and the power that he gained through his atoning sacrifice and experience what uh, President Kimball called the beautiful morning of forgiveness. All right, students, we love your guts. Stay righteous. See you next week. <laughs>